Welcome and thank you for tuning in to FM Enlightenment Radio or TV or listening to Two Healthy Chicks podcast. I'm Ayana. And I'm Jenny. And we are Two Healthy Chicks providing simple life hacks on this journey to healthy living. So, Jenny, what's in your mug? All right. I already started tonight. <clears throat> I got a tickle in my throat. I'm like, ah, but I am loving my tumbler <laughs> and I have my inner calm in the pink lemonade flavor. So I love it. And every evening this way, love it. What are you yeah. drinking tonight? I've got my Arbonne uh, tumbler and I have seltzer, actually mandarin orange okay. and regular seltzer along hey. with complete hydration, getting those electrolytes in, you know, starting to creep up with some of that pain. So side eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely get those electrolytes in. Very nice. <clears throat> well, I am excited for our topic tonight. It is a very interesting topic and a very neat, and it's it's gonna, I think, gonna cause us to really think. Um, and just what we're talking about tonight is improving our health by being a participant in life, meaning don't stand on the sidelines and watch everyone doing things, but actually get into the action. And what does that look like? What does that mean? So we're gonna be unpacking that tonight. Yeah, uh, it's. I think that you will be pleasantly surprised uh, to find out exactly how this can impact and affect your life. So we will dive into the importance of doing life in community, the benefits, and the examples of group therapy in various settings. And it's not what you think. So I would recommend sticking around. Yes. And I'm super excited because we have an amazing guest this evening. This isn't going to be just the two of us sharing tonight. We are going to be uh, joined by Teresa Moore. And this is awesome. Teresa is an author, a coach, a consultant, and a speaker. Her book, which is based on a 35-year career as a physical therapist and experience caring for her parents, is out now. And during her multidisciplinary group therapy efforts in skilled rehabilitation, she developed a framework around groups for building the body, brain, and spirit to achieve superior mobility and personal life. I think we can all use that. She now uses scientific research-based interventions to teach others the therapeutic benefits of face-to-face group interactions therapeutic activities, and health strategies. Teresa and her husband live in Iowa and have three grown children, and she loves spending time with her family, gardening, cooking, and oil painting in her spare time. So please welcome Teresa Moore. Hi. Hello, welcome. Yeah, I'm excited to be here also. And thank you, Jenny and Ayanna, for having me tonight. This is wonderful. Absolutely. Um, Yes. So excited. So do you have anything you want to add as far as who you are and a little bit about your background, maybe that I didn't share or something you wanted to highlight from, uh, from what I already shared with the audience about you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Well, I do like people to know I've, I've been a physical therapist for 36 years. So I have a lot of clinical experience And um, Jenny was right, like when I did this multidisciplinary group therapy, it really, really um, 
kind of, you know, fed my creative side. I am a creative. And, you know, sometimes physical therapy is not creative. So <laughs> I, had to, yeah, I had to find something that would really uh, be fun and interesting that I could share with patients. So I put a framework around it and I wrote a book for caregivers and the aging after I had practiced this for almost 15 years. Um, I also took care of my own parents and helped others with their parents. So um, I just wanted to share my information with the world. And it's kind of my mission now to get out to, you know, therapists and caregivers and the aging, how to have those proactive lifestyles, you know, with the strategies and also bring in that group interaction. And um, I, th I just think it's vital. And we'll talk about how vital, vital it is for our health. Yeah, and and I think it's great too because I think this is the the perfect segue connection for your area of expertise and how this can benefit our listeners because you while your expertise is in the area of physical therapy like you said and what you have learned and then now actually actively teach to physical therapists and occupational therapists and speech therapists I love it because it can what you have learned and what you share with them can be apply to us, the average person, those of us listening to this podcast. And this is why it's going to be a very interesting and I think a very helpful conversation tonight because it's going to be able to provide so much benefit to our listeners, no matter where we all are in life, what stages we are in life, that we can apply these things to our everyday lives as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And I know we were going to start out with this kind of this theme of and what I would like everybody to do is picture in their mind um, a setting that they just love. It might be the beach or the mountains or, you know, a sunset or or even a big city. You know, where do you love to be? And then, you know, put this into your mind that somebody has taken you to this place and said, you know, look at this vision. And um, I want to ask you what you're going to do. Are you going to take a picture of this vision? Or are you going to step into that vision and actually participate in it and, and do something with it and, and enjoy it and have that experience? And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight is having the experience. Yeah, I like that. I can actually uh, see myself when you, before you said, what are you going to do with it in my head? I'm like, jump in the water immediately. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, take a picture. <laughs> well, well, I know. need to listen closely tonight. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think you have some interesting statistics to share with us as well. I know you were sharing with me some very interesting um, information that really took me aback. Mm -hmm. Yes. And really, there is there is really scientific evidence that shows uh, social isolation can lead to chronic illness. You know, it, it actually it does. It leads to chronic illness. So um, there are some statistics, and one of them is 50% um, of the people right now are getting dementia. You know, and so it's basically, you know, tossing up a coin and, you know, seeing where it lands. You know, it's that, it's that prevalent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And 60% um, of caregivers are dying faster than those they care for. Yeah. So th these are, you know, alarming statistics. and. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I just tell, talk to, talk to people about these because I want them to know that, 
this is a time in our life when we can start this proactive aging process. And we really should in our midlife take care of ourselves as we take care of our aging parents, because um, if we want to have our brain and body working well, you know, in our 70s, 80s and 90s, we really we really need to step into the game now and experience and really have a lot of good experiences. Mm-hmm. So do you think those statistics are related to um, caregivers solely pouring into those that they're caring for or and not pouring into themselves? What, what do you think those statistics are attributed to? I, I do. I think it's a very stressful time for caregivers. Um, some are, you know, actually raising children as they take care of their aging parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just um, the stress, like, especially if you're caring for somebody that has dementia, you know, that that can just be extra stressful. And uh, people aren't taking the time to, you know, do the self care, so that they can, you know, feel good and have their life full so they can actually give to others. Insert the um, self-care uh, episodes that we have had in the past. So go back and listen to those. I believe that would be episode five, if I can remember correctly. Oh, you have a good memory. I don't know, but just go back and find it. We definitely talk about self-care. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is so, it's so important. Yeah. And I... I just talked to a group the other day and they said, what's the number one thing you can do as a caregiver? And I said, take care of yourself, you know, first. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And after the pandemic, it's more important to, to live life together and like actively be a part of life because we've been isolated. If we were following the rules, we've been isolated mm-hmm. for about a year and a half. Um, and that's just not natural. I know definitely for our children, it is much of a struggle, um, especially if you're a single child. So it, it's no different. Like the concept is no different for adults. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so then let's talk about the benefits then of doing life in community, in groups, and just connect these dots that you just shared with us about the social bonds and our health. And I know you have a really great list for us. So we are going to um, let you just go ahead and start going through it and um, share with us what are these benefits to our health, to our lives that we gain from doing life in community, in groups together? Okay. Yes. You know, and I think the first one I love to talk about is just being face-to-face, having a face-to-face interaction. And when you have that face-to-face interaction, you actually emit emit hormones into your body that make you more empathetic. And, you know, oxytocin, the love hormone, you know, you feel better about yourself. You're more loving, giving. And um, that just, that leads to even like decreased anxiety. You know, there are so many, um, positive things about that. But being face to face with people actually bolsters your immune system. And, you know, yeah, basically what we're looking at now is the social isolation, like you were talking about, Ayana. And uh, what that does is um, it causes loneliness. And 50% of the people in America are saying they're lonely. And those are the people that are getting the chronic illnesses or some of them, they're more Mm -hmm. apt to get chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it's been the people like, again, you said, you know, the pandemic, a lot of people are telling me now, you know, my mom just isn't the same. 
Mm -hmm. you know, same person she was a year ago, or my dad isn't functioning well. He, now he has dementia. I mean, he, you know, he was driving himself to the store and, you know, and out to brunch and everything. So um, real, real big changes this year. But um, also the social isolation, you know, we all were born with a set of genes, you know, our genetic disposition, but how our genes are expressed is kind of up to us. And when we are socially isolated, um, our genetic expression is not good. You know, we need to be putting positive things in our life and positive experiences to have a, have a really good genetic expression. So they're finding out that again, the immune system is, um, the, the, the genes that take care of the immune system are not functioning, but the genes that, that can lead to the chronic illnesses are functioning. So that I mean, is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it just makes you want to get out in a group. And I and I told people, <laughs> I'm like, you belong to a group before the pandemic, go back to that group. And, and if you weren't, go find a group of people or a, com a community, you know, mm -hmm. and it is, it's, it's a face to face, it's, they call it the village effect, or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. You know, and, and what it is, is the, it's the people around you that you've been around for years and it's the grocery store you go to and it's the library and it's, you know, the church and everything. And that is your village and that's what supports you, you know, and your brain and, and your genetic disposition. So um, it's just so, so important. I teach, what I teach patients and therapists are, you know, the many, many benefits, but okay. So being in a group of people and I have therapists actually, you know, get the groups together and, and do therapeutic activities. And when they do therapeutic activities, um, it, it, it's just, you already have those neural pathways in your brain. So all you have to do is tap into them. Say like, if you had a stroke and your, and your left arm isn't working, um, it would take, if you just did a regular exercise, you would have to reach up. So you needed to reach up into the cupboard. You'd have to reach up uh, 400 times to relearn that. Or if you did the therapeutic activity, which could be anything from, you know, batting a ball or even like reaching up into a cupboard or doing some type of activity that it would take you 12 times doing that. Wow. Yes. So therapeutic activities, huh. yeah, like I said, you, you know, the pathways are there. You're going to tap into the pathways. And, um, but there are times you have to make new pathways. And, and, and again, doing this in a group is a wonderful, wonderful way to do it because you can actually do almost like do two things at once. You know, I, I know they tell it's us. It's more fun, right? I yeah, mean, it like, is. Oh. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, um Oh, um, you know, I, I think, you know, it builds people's confidence. They get, they get to become teachers in the group. They can teach others in the group. They, they learn from the group. You know, there's been times when I'm working with patients and they just say, I don't want to do therapy. And they see me coming and they're like, I don't want that therapist to come you know, and get, take me to therapy, you know? But yeah, when they join the group, you know, they have fun, they have, uh, you know, similarities and things like that. So, um, you know, it is, it is, it is a fun time. And we're going to be talking about some fun groups, you know, in the second half of this, mm -hmm. you know, and yes. so we can kind of unpack that, but. Um, Tell us about the, uh, I know you were sharing the neuroplasticity and the cog uh, cognitive reserve. I thought that was really fascinating. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and actually, and like I, I said before, like at our age, we need to start developing our, our brains so that they'll be there. So it's kind of like developing a muscle and it's called cognitive reserve. And that's, that's kind of what you, how you build up your brain. You build it up with this reserve, like, kind of like a muscle. So it'll, it will be there for you when you get, you know, into your later years. So I, I tell people, I say, um, kind of think about a gas tank. And if you want to make it miles and miles down the road, you're going to fill up the gas tank, you know, to full, you know, and that's what we want to do with our brains. We want to, you know, challenge them daily with, you know, brain exercises and, and body exercises. Actually, what you do for your body and that that 30 minutes of aerobic exercise every day that we're supposed to do that actually strengthens your brain too. It, it builds your hippocampus, which is your learning and your memory center. So, so go ahead, go ahead. I no, just had no, a no. question about that, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I was kind of done. <laughs> <laughs> so what would be like an example of an activity that someone could do just to build that cognitive reserve and, you know, like some of those brain activities, we see so many apps out there and, you know, you never really know if there's any science behind it. Like, you know, education, we're all kind of education related. We all understand SRBI. So <laughs> yeah. is there anything um, particular that you might recommend to help build that cognitive reserve? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is a great question. And um, there, there are online brain activities, you know, exercises. Um, I actually joined one for about a year, but I wasn't that interested in it after a while, but there are the online. And then um, I actually follow, um, he's a neuroscientist and he tells you all about the different kinds of brain exercises you can do, you know, such as with memory and with directions and, or, you know, mapping things out. So um, what I would do, you know, for myself or my patients is, Possibly like, or if you, you know, if you live in a large city and they open a new coffee shop across town, instead of getting on the Google map on your phone, make yourself, make your brain map, map it over, you know, map, map you over to that. Yeah. And even like in the nursing home, we would say, okay, let's go to the ice cream shop today and, you know, let's map it out in our brains. How are we going to get there? You know, and then um, memory, like uh, going to the grocery store, make make yourself a, self a long list of groceries and then get to the grocery store and put your list away and try to remember. Um, you're yeah. killing me. <laughs> Come on I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, quiz yourself several times a day, like, what was her name? I met her two days ago. Now, what was her name? Or, you know, um, what was I, what was I supposed to do today? How many appointments do I have today? And what time are they? And who are they with? You know, so just challenge yourself every day, ask those questions and, you know, map things out. Um, there's, there's all different kinds of functions in your brain. There's like 10 different types of exercises, but, but you can make up your own. And another thing, learn, learn a new language, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, play. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge one. Play an instrument. Um, do do some artwork. Even if you don't like to do art, you're not or you're not good at it. It doesn't matter. You just have to do it. You know that you'll get the benefits. You know, so there are a lot of things you can do for your brain and and actually fine arts. And I have a a group therapy session called well, it's called Picasso's Painting Party. And you know, and like I I just blow up group therapy. So we not only we paint. 
we talk about transitions because people have, you know, broken a hip and they, they're not going to go home. And how do we transition? And maybe they lost their spouse three months earlier. So I, we do that. Then we work on balance. So, um, but all this is leading into a healthy brain, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what we try to get. we try to decrease the anxiety and depression. We try to make those new neural networks in your brain so you can do new activities and um, yeah, so, and, and just challenge, you, you got to challenge and when you're, when you're good, then you need to turn up the speed on it. <laughs> so it's kind of a never ending, you know, challenge, but you know, there's, there's a lot of positive uh, peer support. Like if you guys, even you guys, or if I were to go out and exercise with friends, I would probably try a little harder. I would try a little to get a little faster maybe run a little further, although I'm not a runner, I'm a walker. <laughs> but, you know, if we were going to stretch, I would stretch a little better, you know. So it's just things like that that you want to, um, you know. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah. <laughs> so I think that that gives us a great foundation. Um, and when we come back in the next segment, we will dive into examples of various different types of quote unquote group therapy. And remember, we're using this term rather loosely tonight. So definitely stick around. We will come back in the second segment with more information. And thank you for listening to Two Healthy Chicks on SM Enlightenment Radio. <laughs> 